I'd like to turn your, have you turn your Bibles over to the Gospel of Luke, chapter number 4. And what I want you to see this afternoon is how important you are to God. Because the devil is a liar, and he has a tendency to cause you and I to feel unimportant, like God doesn't care, or it doesn't really matter what I do or don't do, and God's too busy to care about my life and my problems. But see, this morning I want, or afternoon, I want to encourage you to understand that you are precious to God. You do matter to Jesus. In fact, the entire mission of Jesus coming into this world was to tell people and to show them that they matter to God, no matter who they are, no matter where they came from, no matter what their lifestyle was like, uh, that Jesus loves them uh, and he wants them to come to salvation uh, and to enter into the kingdom uh, of God. And Luke, in the Gospel of Luke chapter number 4, records Jesus' first sermon in Nazareth, his hometown. And I was talking with, with someone this morning, and uh, Tom, Brother Tom Haynes, and you know, I just want to, to, to say this for, uh, uh, just as I interrupt my sermon for a bit. He was, we were talking about uh, uh, different books, and he was ta- telling me about a book he was reading, and Nazareth, and how that name came about. And it came about, and thank you, uh, Tom, for telling me, because it fits right into my uh, sermon, that uh, it was, there was a branch of, of, of David's lineage uh, that, that came into a small town, and uh, they, they called that town, it was a, a branch of uh, King David's lineage, Nazareth. And uh, that town, uh, Nazareth, meaning branch. And so that's where the name came from, Nazareth, because it was a branch of David's descendants that founded that village. And so here Jesus, uh, oh, and, and besides that, uh, I, I uh, wanted to just say this about Tom Haynes. He is the oldest, the oldest living member of New Harvest Christian Fellowship to this day. The oldest, before Nancy and I came. Before Nancy and I came, he was in a, a new arm of, at that time, Victory Chapel Bible study back in probably 1973, it's probably when it was, because Nancy and I came in in 1974. So thank you, Tom, for your faithfulness, and obviously his wife, we appreciate uh, Sister Virgie also. Amen. But I just wanted to share that little tidbit of information. And so Luke records... Jesus' first sermon in his hometown of Nazareth, and he goes into the synagogue, which would be much like us being here today, coming to hear the word of God. And those who came to the synagogue and knew Jesus was, was coming understood that he had worked many miracles and, and, and all that followed him as he worked his way into that town. And the word got around in Capernaum about all that took place. And so they heard about his message of repentance from sin. And he has come um, bringing in the kingdom of God being at hand. And his message of love and his message of forgiveness. And this was Jesus' mission that he came to speak about as he enters in 
to the synagogue in the Gospel of Luke, and I entitled uh, this sermon, Heaven Comes to Earth. We've been going through the series, uh, Love Came Down. And when love came down through Jesus Christ, heaven came and uh, brought uh, the kingdom of heaven, uh, the power of God, and all that is involved in that uh, to you and I here today. And uh, let's listen to the words of our Lord in Luke chapter 4 and in verse 18 and 19. The Spirit of the Lord is on me, because he has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to release the oppressed or brokenhearted, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And so what Jesus did in his first message there in Nazareth was to let the people know about his mission and why he came to Nazareth and came to this earth. You know, a lot of people have the wrong impression of coming to church. They think that if they come to church, uh, they're going to get they're going to get beat down about how messed up they are and and how terrible their lives are and and how they're worthless and they're going to hell, etc. and so on. But you know, church isn't about just you know going to hell. It's more about getting into heaven and how Jesus came to help us to get into heaven to avoid going into hell. And that's a message that we want to bring to you as a people of God. And Jesus says that he, number one, he came to heal the poor, to preach good news to the poor. What does the word poor mean when Jesus uses that in his, in his message? Does it mean that if you're poor financially, you now are going to become mega millionaires? Does it mean that your financial status is going to change? Is that what it means when he came to heal the poor? Is that what he's talking about? Well, I have to say that's not the main reason that Jesus came when he uses the word came to heal the poor not talking about money. He's talking about those who are poor in spirit. He's talking about those who are hopeless in spirit. Literally means that he came to help those who by themselves have nothing to offer God on their own, who by themselves could never pay their way out of the strongholds of bondage and sin in their life. And those who were broken by the world, he came to heal those who were poor in spirit. The realization that by ourselves, we can't help ourselves. And all of us know that, those of us who are born again and have a relationship with the Son of God, 
We know that it was nothing that we could do by ourselves uh, to bring healing into our lives, uh, our broken families uh, and our broken marriages uh, and our habits uh, that had us bound. But that it was only when we realized that we were broken uh, and poor in the ability to help ourselves that we came to the knowledge uh, of Jesus Christ. And we cried out for help uh, and asked Jesus to come and bring healing into our families, into our marriages, uh, and into our lives. You see, it's the message that Jesus spoke about that he came to heal the poor, this says that God is not dependent upon you and I, but in fact, it's the other way around, that we are always uh, needing to be dependent upon him. And this morning, we will never know true peace or what true peace uh, is all about and can bring into a person's life until we realized uh, that we were spiritually depleted uh, and spiritually broken uh, and hopeless uh, without uh, uh, guidance and in need of a Savior. And until we found that and realized that, uh, we never knew what true peace was all about. And in during this time, this Christmas season, when people sing peace on earth, goodwill toward men, that peace on earth and that goodwill toward men can never be realized uh, until uh, we come into a relationship with Jesus Christ, the Son of God. That's why he came uh, to this earth. Salvation, redemption, begins the moment we realize that we are lost and uh, sinners without uh, Jesus uh, as Lord in our Savior. In Romans 3, 23, Paul the Apostle writes, and he says that all have sinned uh, and uh, have fallen short of the glory of God. We are all sinners here this morning. Saved by God's grace, can someone say amen today? Because it's not by our own works, uh, not by our own uh, righteousness, uh, not by our own goodness uh, that we are made right with God, but it's because of God's mercy and God's grace. Jesus, Jesus was speaking uh, in the synagogue and said he came to be our deliverer and uh, the only one who can deliver us uh, from sin. In Romans chapter 5, again, Paul writes, and in verse 8, but God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were yet or still sinners, Christ died for us. That last song we sang, Hallelujah. He is risen, that he gave his life for us. He sacrificed for us. Uh, this is why God sent his son uh, that we worship and celebrate Christmas uh, is all about, uh, that while we were yet dead and, uh, de and, and broken and lost in our sin, uh, that Christ uh, would come and die for our sinful lives. Because we need a Savior this morning. 
The world needs a, a Savior this morning because there are wages that that Bible says uh, are going to be paid for sin. And uh, in Romans chapter 6, again, the Apostle Paul writes in verse 23, for the wages of sin is death. But oh, I like this part. I like this part. But the gift of God is what? Eternal life. Praise God. And we have a choice of what we're going to choose here this afternoon. We can choose the gift of God. Thank God this celebration of Christmas that we are, are acknowledging today is God's gift that has come down from heaven to earth uh, to bring redemption. And we chose, those of us here, prayerfully, that gift of God, eternal life. And put aside the wages uh, of sin that brought death. You see, in John chapter 8, we have the story of the adulterous woman who is caught in adultery. And the religious folks were dragging her into the street and they brought her to where Jesus was. And the Bible tells us that they were going to test Jesus concerning his response to this woman who was caught in adultery and uh, in the Old Testament law says uh, needed to be stoned to death. And they were wanting to see and to hear Jesus' reaction and what he would have to say, you know, the what would Jesus do part that everybody loves to talk about. And Jesus kneels down and begins to write in the dirt. And he, and he looks back up at those who are getting ready to stone this woman, the religious folks of the day. And in verse 7 of John chapter 8, he says these words to them. And we're talking about that Jesus coming to heal the poor in spirit and Jesus coming to heal those who are broken. He writes these words and he says, Let any one of you who is without sin be the first to throw a stone at her. And before long, after he spoke those words, he knelt down again and began to write, and rock and stone after stone was being dropped at the feet of those who were getting ready to destroy and to kill this woman. You see, this woman knew what her lifestyle was like and that she had nothing to offer the Lord at this point. But you see, as Jesus said in his first sermon in Nazareth, he came to proclaim good news. The gospel is good news for a world that is poor in spirit and is broken this morning. He came to proclaim good news to not only this woman, uh, but to those religious folks who were getting ready to kill this woman. And he said, uh, after he uh, 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 
the religious folks dropped their stones, he looked to this woman and he said to her, where are your accusers? You now have none and neither do I accuse you. Go, your sins have been forgiven. You see, Jesus spoke those words because uh, this, by herself, this woman could not bring deliverance to her life by herself and on her own. Uh, she had no power or authority to bring healing uh, from her sin, uh, but it was only through the Son of God, the gift that God gave uh, to this earth, uh, heaven came down and brought healing to this woman, and he said, go and sin no more transforming message of life that Jesus brought. This is the message that he spoke, and he came to speak the message to heal the broken. Those who are broken like this woman. You and I know people that we work with, that you might possibly live with, go to school with, have day-to-day -day contact with who are broken. He said in his sermon that he was anointed to preach the gospel and he was sent to heal the broken hearted and to preach deliverance to those who are captive. That word heal means to bind up. It, as, as in if, if you cut yourself and you are wounded, you get a band-aid. There's a surgery that takes place. Uh, they bind that wound uh, and uh, they cover it up. That word broken comes from the Hebrew word meaning crushed into pieces, shattered, bruised, and disconnected. And so when he says he came to heal those who are broken in spirit, he literally means that he came to to heal those whose strength has been shattered and broken by this world. Broken is a good word to describe so many people around us. How many can say amen? We work with so many broken people. We go to school with so many broken people whose lives are broken. We live next to so many people who are broken, broken in heart, broken in marriage, their homes, their family, their wills, their spirit, broken financially. We've heard the term, I'm broke. That's, that's what it means. They are broken and they have no way to help themselves. They have no way to, to bring redemption to that part of their life. And Jesus came to heal that brokenness. Those whose lives have been shattered uh, by the disruptions of this world, by, the, by, by the, the pains that this world has to offer. There's some that may be here this morning who are broken in your spirit. Your spirit is broken. You've been crushed, uh, and you're looking uh, for healing. Let me tell you something. Uh, you don't need to turn to the world. You don't need to turn to a person. You need to turn to Jesus. That's why he came, to heal those who are broken in their spirit. When people's determination is broken, 
and we read about suicides, and we read about how suicide is on the rise, whose people's will have been broken. Uh, I want to tell you what the answer to that uh, is a relationship with the Son of God, because heaven came down to earth uh, to bring that healing uh, in that person's life uh, who is broken. He came to bind up, to heal, uh, or to set right, uh, as in, in a broken bone, you know, when it's broken, it needs to be reset. For some this morning, God wants to reset your life. God wants to reset you and put you back on the right track because you've been broken, uh, you, you, you are disjointed, uh, and God wants you to get back uh, and be joined once again and be where you belong uh, in the right will of God. Heaven came down to earth uh, to be a deliverer through his son, Jesus Christ, to make us whole again in Psalm chapter 34. And in verse 18, the psalmist writes and says, The Lord is close to the brokenhearted and saves those who are crushed in spirit. And although this might be difficult to understand if you're here this morning, or you might know someone whose spirit has been crushed, whose dreams have been broken. Nevertheless, the Word of God always is truth. It always is able to bring healing and restoration through a relationship with Jesus Christ. It's times when you or those folks might feel the farthest from God, might feel that God is no longer interested or no longer cares, this scripture tells us that he's actually closer than you think, that heaven is closer than you ever thought it would be and during that time when you are crushed and disappointed with life. How cool is that? Isn't that, isn't that awesome? that when we feel the furthest from God, that's when God is right there with us, never left us, never forsaken us. Uh, he's as close as close can I ever be. In that time when your strength is broken, your, your, your spirit feels crushed, listen to Psalm 46 in verse 1. God is our refuge and strength uh, and ever-present help in trouble. Are you in trouble this morning? Is your life in trouble? Is your, 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 your vision in trouble? Your family, your, 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 your marriage, whatever the case might be, in trouble? I want to tell you, Jesus came to heal that. Jesus came to heal that brokenness and bring strength and help in the time of your trouble. So the question this morning is, have you given your brokenness to God? Have you allowed heaven to come down and uh, to uh, heal that spirit that is poor and lacking, to, to bring healing to that crushed vision, dream, or purpose in your life? Because as I close this down this morning, Jesus was preaching his message there in Nazareth. And he told them that he came to bring freedom. 
liberty, release, and recovery to those who are blind. Jesus offers a releasing, a setting free from those things that can hold you captive, those thoughts, those broken things in your life that tie you up and that rob you from all that God has from you. He frees us from self-destruction. How many know we, we, a lot of times we destroy ourselves? We blame the devil, and we point fingers at people, but guess what, folks? A lot of the times, we're in self-destruction mode because we start listening to the lies of the enemy. And we stop reading the truth of God's word. And we stop listening to the promises of God. And we go into a self-destructive mode. And that's why so many people are in bondage today and become captive to their own ungodly desires or, or deceptive thoughts. Habits that destroy people's lives. Jesus came to bring liberty, to bring, to bring a release from those things, deliverance and recovery. It begins with a personal decision that you and I have to make every single day. Yes, I know we make that choice. We say that sinner's prayer, and Jesus, come into my life. Forgive me of my sin. I accept you. And we say the sinner's prayer. And praise God, our name is written in the book of life. But let me tell you something. It doesn't stop there. Because we are involved in spiritual warfare. You read the book of Ephesians, you read chapter number 6, and you read about the warfare that Paul the Apostle is speaking about. And the spiritual warfare every single day. And it doesn't stop at a sinner's prayer, but decisions have to be made every day. Am I going to serve God, or am I going to serve my flesh and my old self-destructive nature? Because we can be self-destructive, folks. Jesus can release us from that prison of self-destruction. In John 8, 34 and 36, Jesus says, I tell you the truth, everyone who sins is a slave to sin. Now a slave has no permanent place in the family. But a son belongs to it forever. So if the son sets you free, you will be free indeed. And you see, Jesus, uh, the problem is not Jesus and the salvation and the deliverance uh, that, that he wants to bring into our lives. That, there's no question about that. That's power. That's, that, that's, that's, that's there. Can't be matched. God's delivering power. But the problem comes in when we allow ourselves to begin to go backwards rather than forwards. And we open the door to those things uh, that God wants to be closed. So many of us here, most of us have been set free by the power of God's love uh, and uh, his deliverance. But then there are some who still may be in some kind of bondage to self-deception, self-destruction, self-loathing, self-pride, whatever the case might be. It's a prison that Satan wants to keep you in. But you need to always remember that Jesus has the key to that prison door. 
He's the one that had opened that door that has you uh, locked up uh, in those things that is holding you hostage. All you need to do is to ask Jesus uh, to turn the key and open uh, the door. It's there for you this morning if that's the case. Because Jesus came to bring recovery from spiritual blindness. Open your eyes. Uh, that door's been opened already for you to walk out and to be free and free indeed. That's what the Bible says. As our worship team comes this morning, we have the story of the Apostle Paul. He was a fanatical persecutor, religious persecutor of the Christian church and followers of Jesus. And one day on the road to Damascus, he had an encounter with the Lord because the Apostle Paul was blinded by his religious traditions. Religious traditions. And there are so many religious traditions that if we're not careful, we can get caught up in. And he was caught up in those religious conditions and traditions. And on that road to Damascus, he was knocked down and blinded and was unable to see. The book of Acts, chapter number 9, the Bible tells us that the Lord speaks to him and he's sent to Damascus to a place where he's going to meet a man named Ananias. And that that man, Ananias, will speak to him and restore his sight. And we know the story there. In verse 18 it says, that as Ananias laid hands on him and prayed, scales fell from his eyes and he could see again. See, there are so many people, yes, that even come to church, who are blinded by religious traditions. And they get stuck in those things. And it's those things that keep them from doing the will of God, just like what was going on with Saul's life. God had so, much, so many plans for, for Saul, who became the apostle Paul. But yet, it was his religious traditions they kept him blind to open his eyes to keep him from seeing the new things that God wanted to do. We can't allow spiritual pride to keep us closed to what God wants to do in this day and age. God wants to work so many miracles, wants to reach so many people, but we're going to have to be open to what God wants to do today. Maybe there's someone you know, someone you love, you've been praying for, and they're bound by religious tradition. Nah, nah, this is my religion, this is who I am, this is what I'll die, I'll never step foot in your church. And I'm sure there were, there were people that I know for a fact 
They were probably praying for, for, for Saul. And there will come a time when those people that you're praying for will come to a place where they will respond. Don't give up praying for that backslider. Don't give up praying for that religious person who don't, doesn't want to come to this church. Don't give up praying for that person uh, who's struggling in their own self-righteousness or whatever. Keep praying for them. Because Jesus came to bring God's favor, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor, to set at liberty those who are bruised, and to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. We're going to have communion in a few moments, but I'd like for us to bow our heads right now and close our eyes.